My name is Adam Ponophobia Cogswell, coming to you with another interview episode. I am joined by a great guest today. Uh, Will Chobra is here with me. Will, how you doing? Hey, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, an excited chat. I guess I should have called you William Cho and not Will Chobra, but I think most people know you by <laughs> I mean, as Chobra, right? Yeah, I, well, the the whole reason, actually, I, I changed it from just Chobra to Will Chobra. Like, all my tags was, you know, it's a play on my name, et cetera, so it just flows off the tongue a little better. Oh, yeah. I've always known you as Chobra, like, for forever. <laughs> uh, and again, this is kind of like a full disclosure thing, because this interview that I'm doing with you comes right after the Monty interview. And when I talked to Monty, um, we had talked about you, like I said, for a brief moment, and he, and, you know, it was just kind of like the worlds collide. Chobra and I go way back. Uh, we go from the GG Chronicle days, because that's mm-hmm. where I met him, was when he started working for GG Chronicle, thanks to Monty. And, um, well... I'm not going to tell your story because I'm not you. So <laughs> before we jump into all that, why don't we go ahead and just kind of talk about what you're currently doing. And then we're going to move, we're gonna move into the way, way back machine back to like 2011 and talk about how this got started. All right. Oh, yeah. Now, now that you put it that way, it is it is a way, <laughs> a way back. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, currently. Uh, so currently for for anyone not aware, I am in Korea uh, as a freelancer. Um, so for anyone not updated, obviously, I was working at ESL for a little while in North America. Um, I left ESL last year uh, and I've been freelancing since. Um, obviously, given my background, my freelance work, you know, I've done events both as a commentator last year, both as a producer. I've consulted a little bit here and there. Um, so a, a grab bag of sorts. But really, right now, I'm, I'm investing my time into you know, looking at what's the next long haul I want to invest into, right? Um, rather than just jumping from event to event to get a paycheck. Um, you know, esports is constantly moving, it's constantly growing. And I think given my experiences and also the ideas I've had, I want to make sure that I'm investing into something that I can really drive forward with other people that are like-minded rather than, again, just working one event at a time for a paycheck, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not something I want to invest into right now. Uh, I think I've had my time during that phase of my career um, and I want to look for something new awesome well let's talk about then let's like I said let's jump in the way 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 back machine okay so the, <laughs> the year is 2010 2011 right I think it's more like 2011 2012 but still and and you're just William Cho so how did this all happen where did you get started in esports and you know and, and what was the you know, what were you doing prior to the point of the being at MLG at the right place at the right time Right. So um, right before that, I was wrapping up college, right? Uh, and I had actually just, um, a lot of people don't actually know specifically this. I was in my last semester of <laughs> college, and then I decided to uh, take a break. I mean, there, there were a lot of other personal things going on at the same time. But one of the biggest other reasons on top of all that was, like, I, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Like, we were just coming out of another one of those phases of, oh, like, employment's so hard, and what do people do these days? And I had jumped around, like, six different majors, uh, and then there was a lot of other personal stuff going on. I was like, all right, I just need to kind of take a break and figure out what my next step's going to be rather than just graduating and not having any idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd taken a break. I'd always been very interested in broadcasting in general, be it radio or TV, or I guess, you know, these days digital. Uh, and then, obviously, I've gamed pretty much my whole life uh so that was right around when obviously league of legends was picking things up on the esports front um starcraft was you know making another big push with starcraft 2 and all all these things were colliding in the west of trying to bring esports back in the west uh while there was a slight dip for a little while and so i thought okay this could be fun uh this is something that you know i could 
just try out. And if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, obviously, I've taken a break. I have a plan. Uh, I'll go back to school, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, go on a quote unquote normal <laughs> career path or try to at least. Uh, so I, I started I started uh, streaming a little bit. I started going on. Um, League was the game I had invested the most time into at the time, uh, alongside Dota 2, actually. Uh, a lot of a lot of Dota people don't believe that because I suck at Dota, but I did <laughs> a lot of time at the time <laughs> in Dota. But uh, th those are the two games, uh, and obviously, Dota Two was still in beta at the time, right? TI had just happened, the very first one. Uh, it was very closed off. It was very much you know people coming from the old game uh, into the new scene, and so uh, League was a little bit more open. Uh, it was a free for all at the time. And so I, I did the thing where you know I went on Reddit every day, and e every day I go into are new and then i say you know people who are doing community tournaments i just said hey can i can i jump in and like commentate over it record it maybe stream it uh you know put it up wherever uh, and people would be like sure and you know sometimes people would be courteous and they'd be oh well that's cool like yeah we'd love to broadcast our games and maybe we could send you a gift card or you know rp or whatever and but a lot of times it was just i, I just want to do it right i just want to see if i can do it see if it picks up anywhere i didn't really have a strict career plan mm -hmm. uh and that's how it started. And then I built a little bit of a community streaming thing at the time called Pentacast with a couple other people. They had really laid the foundation and I kind of joined at the last minute and we did some stuff, including the original like Riot versus community show matches we did weekly. Uh, and that's how it all began uh, before the whole, you know, getting to the MLG part. Oh wow! I had forgotten about that the the riot versus community. That was yeah. <laughs> that was like season two ish, wasn't it? Pretty much. Yep. yep. They, they had yeah. done their first year or so, and then that's when they decided to really start. Let's start going with the community thing. Um, yeah, uh, that that was when they had yeah just started, um, kind of publicly and officially saying, hey, if you want to do kind of I guess like unofficially partnered stuff, like we'll send you you know whether it's RP or riders or whatever, uh, depending on the type of event. Huh. Yeah, I remember that because I that was yeah, that's when they started doing or I think it was about season three is when Riot started sending RP for tournaments and whatnot, right? But yeah, that was that was kind of the grassroots start of it all. Uh, you're bringing back mm -hmm. some memories. I had completely forgotten about this because <laughs> uh, it's the same thing I had told Monty when I did him. I'm like, man, you are really like you know shaking the memory bank here because it has been like you said, it's been so long. Uh, a lot of this happened in, yeah. in nine, ten years ago at this point. Um, so it's it's fun to wrap back around to it. So. Uh, you know, wh where did it go from there? I don't. Again, help me out here. You, you, you joined GG Chronicle when? Uh, so, so at the time, uh, I was living in New Jersey. I was still doing this, you know, going casting whatever uh, tournaments I could. Um, I think it was before I joined GG Chronicle that I first got to. Um, I, I jumped into the community with NESL for those people who remember that, uh -huh. uh, and they were doing the the Go Fours at the time for North America. Uh, so I got to cast cast a couple games there um, and ran into a couple people. Some of some people listening might know um, Sia Steve, uh, who who's at Blizzard right now, uh, and obviously worked a lot with the Here's a Storm community. But uh, he was there at the time, and he actually kind of helped me up with the streaming stuff too. So, you know, just doing whatever I can, picking up pieces here and there, and then. There was the announcement of uh, the MLG Summer Arena, and the story goes that the year before, there was the MLG. I think it was the Winter Arena for StarCraft Two, and one of my friends in college uh, had run into StarCraft Two players like MC uh, in K in K Town in 
New York, not LA. So they, they ran into them because, you know, the players were there for MLG. Obviously, MLG headquarters was stationed in New York at the time and their mini studio there. And so the players had gone out to get food and they ran into some of my friends in college. And so they took pictures and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And then I was I was looking this up and the event wasn't open to public because there's no, you know, there wasn't a space for public audience in that studio. But then I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to actually give this a shot, right, whether it actually builds into a career or not, if I want to make sure I gave it my all and not have any regrets, it'd be cool to at least like run into players, right? It'd be something I can, you know, whether it's flaunting it on social media or just for my own memory's sake, uh, maybe even get to chat to some of these people. Uh, and the biggest thing was, was, uh, Azubu Blaze, as they were called at the time, right. from Korea, uh, was coming to play at the Summer Arena. So more than anything, I wanted to meet them and also let them know, like, hey, there's actually a pretty sizable audience in NA that is starting to really watch and uh, like Korean League of Legends, including you guys, because you guys are kind of like superstars right now. So I, I thought about it. Uh, I looked it up. And then I found out there was uh, there was like a sweepstake type event called... The Dr. Pepper Ultimate Fan Sweepstake, I think. I think that's, that was the I name. I think that's about right. Um, yeah, that was when Dr. Pepper obviously had kind of a longstanding partnership with MLG and MLG events. And they had a similar event pretty much every MLG stop but with a couple of differences here and there. But that event was for um, MLG Raleigh coming up in the summer, um, later part of the summer. And it was basically make a video explaining why you're the biggest fan of MLG and Dr. Pepper. And upload it and if you get the most votes like you get a all package trip to mlg raleigh so i said okay well this could be cool um so literally this was like two days before the mlg summer arena was going to kick off i said okay well like let's let's try something what do i do what video do i make and i said okay well i'm gonna do a you know i don't i don't have like a wide community standing yet i don't have anything else um i'm not I'm just not one of those guys who can like I'm not a TikTok guy, right? TikTok's all the rage these <laughs> right. days. Like I just can't do that. <laughs> like that's just not in my nature. So I said, I'm gonna make a vlog about trying to find these players, like just in New York. Um, and if if it works out great, and if I don't, you know, maybe I just don't upload the video. Whatever. I, I don't really lose anything. I live in Jersey. It's it doesn't cost that much to go over. And so I'm going through and I'm trying to figure out where the MLG office is, but obviously it's not you know listed very publicly it's surely somewhere on their website at the time but i couldn't find it that easily uh so i'm like well it'd be nice if i knew the address because i could like wait outside or something uh and then uh i think it was saint vicious I i'm pretty sure who uploaded a picture onto twitter from the studio that they were going to play in the morning of wow and and like i saw the landmarks right i'm <laughs> seeing like wow. the chrysler building i'm like Okay, okay, like I know what neighborhood this is in now, so I'm gonna go. And and the the stupid part of this plan was because I had to prove that I was a big fan of Dr. Pepper. Uh, I told myself that I was gonna only drink Dr. Pepper <laughs> for the whole day. That was like the whole spiel <laughs> of the vlog. Um, and obviously, you know, if you were just someone doing the sweepstick, you could smartly only drink it on camera and then drink water elsewhere. But me being the innocent, naive kid I was at the time, I was like, no, no, we got to commit. We got to be honest. And I'm going to drink only Dr. Pepper the whole day. Wow. Um, it also happened to be the hottest day of the summer in New York that year. <laughs> so, uh, things didn't go so well. But yeah, so I got on a bus um, and then... You know, I, I was just vlogging myself, like drinking Dr. Pepper, talking about how excited I am to try to find these players and if I can even succeed. Um, 
you know, I, I filmed myself like in a McDonald's making a sign for Azuba Blaze in case I meet them while drinking Dr. Pepper. Um, and I eventually got to the neighborhood and I, I knew it was like within a couple blocks there. So I just started going into these like giant skyscrapers with a bunch of offices, right? <laughs> just me, just this kid with a backpack and a phone camera with, with like a sign that says, welcome Azuba Blaze. Like, no one knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm going in asking all the security guards. I'm like, hey, do you guys know ML like MLG, Major League Gaming? Like, is there an office like nearby here? Have you guys heard of it? Uh, and most people didn't know until one guy was like, oh, they're in the building next door. And so I said, oh, well, that's great. So, so I walked in the building and I said, hey, is this the building where MLG is? And they were like, yeah, but it's it's not open to public. And I was like, I totally understand. And I was like, it's just really hot. Do you mind if I wait in the lobby? I'm just trying to see if I can meet like some of the players or whatever. And the security guard was really cool. He was like, yeah, uh, sure. You know, just hang out, uh, enjoy the AC, and you, you can wait to see if they come down. Like, I can't guarantee anything. I said, that's fine. So, yeah, I just hung out there watching watching the matches on my phone. Um, and then the coach for Azuba Blaze on air uh, at the time came down for a smoke break with Reaper, hmm. uh, who obviously is now with Cloud9. Uh, and so they saw me. Obviously, I saw them, and they saw my sign, and they were like... Oh, like, are you here to see us? And then they realize I speak Korean and they're like super excited, right? Because they're like, oh my gosh, we're, we're out in this foreign country playing video games and we don't, we don't really know what's going on. Uh, so, and, and On Air was just like really, really moved, which I was very thankful for because I just wanted them to know, like, it's, you know, that there are people here rooting for you guys. Right. Uh, and, and he was like, wow, like, I, I want to make sure we get a picture. Do you mind like waiting until the end of the day? Because, uh, you know, we're still waiting for all the matches to wrap up. Uh, but I, I want to make sure that, you know, we get pictures. And also, I want to let people back home know, like, I want to let the rest of the team and the organization know uh, that there are people like you. So I said, yeah, sure. Like, would love to. And then as I'm waiting, you know, teams finish their matches, they come down and, and I get to meet everyone there. Right. So that's when I first met um, like TSM, uh, a bunch of guys, Demon, obviously Monty uh, later throughout the weekend uh, and just everyone there one by one. And in the right towards the end, a bunch of the crew comes down because they just wrapped up. Uh, and you know they're just hanging out and they they see me and they say like were you just waiting for players and i i tell them the whole spiel like i'm doing the whole dr pepper thing etc and uh one of them goes you should you should tweet at our boss you should tweet sundance and just see if you can come in tomorrow and i was like what <laughs> like what? that's really that's not what yeah no he i mean he said it somewhat jokingly but he was like yeah i mean you know sundance is a cool guy it doesn't hurt like you tweeting him right if if it's not allowed he's not gonna like yell at you or me but i like they were like we think it's really cool and obviously you know if we can we might let them know but i think it'd be really cool if you reached out and, and tweeted him and was like hey like this is what's going on could i possibly get in and i was like uh okay yeah i'm just <laughs> okay. gonna I'm just gonna tweet the boss of mlg and be like yo can i come into this not public office tomorrow right i'm just a <laughs> random dude on the street like i got dr pepper <laughs> <laughs> so so i left the tweet for him uh and then i i met slasher that night as well and so slasher was at the event covering the event and of course um also helping with the translations uh and so he saw that i was speaking fluently with the zubu blaze and he said oh and then he started asking and, and then he asked can you translate and until literally that moment i had never thought of myself as a translator like, you know, I hadn't done any official training or, you know, gone on any professional level to translate. Sure. I had just always spoken 
both languages and translated within family, right? Because I, I was pretty much the only child among all of my direct cousins that could speak both languages fluently. My sister kind of could, but she just hated speaking like in any public matter, including family. So, so she was not an option. Um, so, you know, I was the one that always communicated between parents and kids and, you know, wherever else we might go. And so when he asked that, I was like, yeah, I guess so. Like, I, I certainly didn't sound sure, but <laughs> I told him, I, I guess so. I speak both fluently. And then he just looks at me and he goes, um, you know, if it's not a bother, it looks like you live in the area. Uh, come by tomorrow morning. Um, we'd love to see if we can get you inside. And I was like, and I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at Slasher and like, I, you know, I've heard of Slasher at the time. Like I kind of, I know his aura, right? I know who he is, but I'm looking at him like, in my recollection, I'm like, pretty sure you don't work for MLG. So I don't know how you're going to get me in, but you know, that's cool. But also, also there's like little me inside big fan of League of Legends. That's like, oh my God, if I get to go in, that'd be really cool. Sure. Um, so I say, yeah, sure. That, that's no problem. And he's like, yeah, like, it, you think you can make it out in the morning? And I'm just like, yeah, sure. I'm not even thinking about it. The, by the way, at this time, the event ended very late that day. So it's like, I want to say like 10 or 11 p.m. So I'm sitting there like, I, I don't know how I'm going to get back home because a lot of the buses are going to stop soon. <laughs> and then if I go back home and then I upload the video and then I try to come back, like, I don't know if I can wake up. <laughs> so then I call up one of my friends who's still in school because I went to college in New York. Um, right after all that's over, I'm like, hey, you still up? And of course he was. And, and so course. I said, he was staying for uh, summer semester, taking classes. So I said, hey, um, can I come like sleep in that dorm's lounge? Because like, I got to get back downtown <laughs> in the morning. And he was like, uh, yeah, I guess so. Like it's, you know, summer semester. No one's here. I don't think anyone's going to check. And I was like, great. So, yeah, so I went over to, you know, the dorm, uh, edited the video uh, uploaded it uh, to a quick shower, and then I came back downtown uh, to where the studio was. And um, Slasher comes back down. I reach out. He comes back down. Him and uh, Cyanide, uh, who has been with MLG, you know, through through all that time, and they come down and they say, "Hey, uh, come on up." And I was like, "Okay, okay, <laughs> that's cool." Uh, so I got to go up, and I got to just hang out the whole weekend, being you know, very in awe and awkward, right? Because like all, because you you have to remember, this is like Gen One League of Legends, right? So like all the players there know each other quite intimately already, right? Because they're the only ones that have been playing at that level for that you know that period of time. Oh yeah. Um, and so you know they're all like really comfortable, and to them, you know, it's just cool that they're like playing for money and and honestly, you know, Summer Arena was more of a kind obviously there was money and it was a tournament format, but it was it was more of an event thing, right? It wasn't part of like the whole circuit going to worlds or anything. So they were kind of pretty lax. Obviously they were getting upset if they lost and things like that, but everyone was pretty chill and, and they're just all hanging out. And then there's me who knows literally nobody in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like hanging out in the player lounge because where else are you gonna hang out in a studio? <laughs> I'm just like sitting there. Uh, you know, eating the catering and just watching matches. Uh, and, and now and then, like, some of the MOG guys would, like, come in and ask me questions about the match, you know, just to kind of you know, make sure that I feel comfortable. And I and I, I talk about the game fine, but but as soon as I leave, I'm just like, sitting there like, I mean, this is cool, but I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it and appreciate it. So, um, so if it's any consolation for that before you continue, uh, 
years ago, I stopped over at Riot Studios and, uh-huh. and you know, went to one of the LCS games at the time when it was LCS mm-hmm. and, and pretty much the same thing, right? Like I got it. I got a press pass, <laughs> but I jumped in and I'm sitting there with all these guys. He's super, I mean like Travis Grafford's there and all these, like, you know, guys there. And they have this amazing equipment and I'm there with like a, a video camera that I found in my basement and I'm just like, Hey, <laughs> they're like, I'm going to go interview this dude, interview this. And I'm like, I just want, can I interview? Dar-? It was Darshan at the time. Can I, can I interview Darshan? Oh, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, no. so I feel that I completely get where you're coming from here. <laughs> Small fish, big yeah. pond. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, you know, as much as in my head, I was like, hey, I'm going to give this career path my all and see where it goes. At the same time, I was like, this was not the speed at which I thought it would pick up. And yeah, I, you went I, you from know, I just, zero to 100, like overnight. Just, poof, right there, Yeah, right? And, and I'm sick because, you know, just the night before I'm filming this fan video for a sweepstake to go watch an event. <laughs> yeah, you know drinking what I mean? Dr. Like, Pepper, right? <laughs> yeah, drinking Dr. Pepper. And then I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out and um, for for all the people you know that that are scared of you know going to events, even if it's just like conventions and, and hanging out and networking, it, ev- everyone goes through that. Where you know I was sitting in that room and I was like, I don't belong here. As much as I want to, and as much as I enjoy being there and the event and everything, all I could think about was I I don't belong here. And and therefore, you know I like because I'm sitting there, I'm looking at Reggie, and I'm like, how how do I even open a conversation with this guy, right? Because we're just on two completely different worlds. Not not that he was like looking down at me, but just you know, just the nature. Again, I'm someone who was a fan of the game, who's doing like community stuff without a without a strict career plan, just a bit of a vision. And this guy's someone who's been playing now professionally for I guess at that time like a year or so built a team you know starting to build an organization built a gaming house like yeah they, yeah, they were the, the gaming biggest house streaming time. people yeah. ever right like the bro house right yeah and so like you know how do I even and and then on top of that technically I'm not supposed to be there right it was a very exception case where they allowed it because of what they saw the day before and MLG allowed it because they were very impressed that I was a fan just of like the gaming game and esports but again, you know, the teams and players had nothing to do with that. Um, so, it, you know, I just sat there and I was like, I, I can't. Like, what, what do I even say, right? And if I if I want to talk about the game, you know, I've obviously been doing my research and studying and analysis, but they, they don't know that. Um, and obviously we come from, again, two different angles about the game as well. So I just sat there pretty much in silence <laughs> for the next two days, except for when um, they needed translations off camera. Um, so because I, you know, I joined in as a fan and, you know, the paperwork wasn't there, et cetera, they couldn't uh, ask me to, and obviously I wasn't vetted, so they couldn't ask me to translate on camera right away. But for anything off camera, um, you know, they, they would reach out and the players, obviously, I think just were like, oh, like he, he's just like a fan. Uh, and we had talked the day before and the coach was just, you know, all just in love with the fact that I was there. <laughs> so uh, we, we, I helped them off camera. And then when the event ended, Obviously, I had been talking to these guys, and I was helping them do like their paperwork. The Azuba Blaze won the event, um, so their paperwork for like the prize money and everything. And uh, that's when, you know, Monty reached out, uh, Monty and uh, Optimus Tom, and they were like, "Yeah, so you're like fluent," um, and they just asked me a couple questions. And, then, and Monty was just like, "Do you have any interest in writing?" And I was like, "Yeah." Um, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, again, again, this was another moment where I was like, I've never thought about becoming any type of writer as a career, but you know, I, I, I would like to think that I can write okay, uh, and if I, you know, have a little bit of help on the editing front, uh, and obviously, you know, when it comes to the content, I could do, and I think that's what Monty had in mind as well from the get go is obviously I could bring in the content from Korea, 
because at the time it still just wasn't that well known and it wasn't that well covered in the West. So I could, you know, whether it's reading up on Korean news articles, whether it's watching the Korean broadcast, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, Monty just said, Hey, uh, let's, let's talk further. Uh, we got this thing going on. Uh, GG Chronicle, uh, would, would love to talk to you further. Uh, and I said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. And then that was also the day where the MLG staff asked if I would be open to translating at future events, uh, if they had, uh, more League of Legends teams from Korea. I said, absolutely. Um, here's my information. And uh, <laughs> I always I always have a special place in my heart for Puckett, um, who obviously now is freelancing, but has been a big part um, of Overwatch and, and Call of Duty throughout the years. Because So he was helping kind of organize everything for the team afterwards, and, and they were going to go out to dinner um, to celebrate the win and the end of the event with the Zubu Blaze, the MLG staff. <laughs> this was like the most courage I had that weekend. I just sat there and I was like, "Hey, Puckett, um, could I join and like help translate, <laughs> like along the way?" But you know, in my head, I'm like, "This question sounds weird because more than anything anyone can tell, I just want to be there." But like, I'm like right. trying to, I'm trying to say like, "Hey, I could be of some use here <laughs> translating over food." And Puckett just looks at me. And he's like, "Yeah, of course. I mean, you've helped us like get through all of that at the end as well. I uh, would love to have you there." And I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, so I got to hang out the rest of the night with uh, Zubu Blaze. I uh, had a lot of chats with MLG and, and the, you know, on air, the coach of Blaze, you know, just talking about esports in the different regions, talking about what could be better. Um, and then I got home and, and then, you know, eventually got back in touch with Monty and then, and then met you guys at GG Chronicle. Wow. That's a hell of a story. I'll be honest with you. It's not, it's, it's not as, I mean, it was a good thing how long it was because it was you know it was very detailed and I love it. I just was not expecting that, and then and I'm kind of thrown back because uh, <laughs> uh, you know I I asked most people like, hey, how'd you get in? Oh, I just met somebody, and it was like, hey, do you want to try? And I was like, sure. That was the end of the story, right? It's like 30 seconds. Uh yeah. I, I mean, for me, um, so I still have um the poster I made for a zoo blaze. Oh, no like I, I keep it with me. Yeah. Every time I move, obviously I've moved a lot uh, since then. And every time I move, I, I make sure that's one thing I keep. It's like all tattered and worn and, and ripped in places, but I keep it because like that was, that was just such a crazy weekend. Um, and also to remind myself of, you know, how it all came to be right. Both of where I used to be within this whole realm, how I used to view it. Uh, and also just how fortunate I was um, to me. And, and it's also just a special memory with Azuba Blaze specifically. Uh, and so I always carry it with me every time I move, it's in my room. Uh, and I always look at it and think this, this is crazy. It's crazy. And I was very fortunate. I was definitely, um, luck was on my side for sure that weekend. For sure. Now, do you feel before we get into more of what you're doing, whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned to you before, prior to this a lot of this podcast is to help people have an understanding of what they should potentially do now i know your story is you know uh, 10 years old or so it's a little different because the scene is right the, the scene. but do you feel a lot of breaking in this industry is right place right time or you know do you have any kind of like words of wisdom for anybody who may be out there already slaving away and wants to jump into this industry and, and make some money out of it yeah so i i mean obviously right place right time is still going to be uh 
very important. Um, and I think more so, I, I think for any entertainment industry, that stands true, right? Um, no matter how big it gets, there's just a, at the end of the day, entertainment industry, unless unless you're looking at um, one of the behind the scenes positions, uh, if you're, if you want to kind of be in the front lines, you know, whether it's movies, whether it's um, esports, whatever it might be, you, you got to treat it as if it's, you know, for instance, like a, like a professional sport, right? At the end of the day, it's like the top certain percent that makes it, and it's not all based on skill, right? It's based on right time, right networking, uh, right place, and maybe even just like right cultural shift, right? Uh, so, so there's a lot to consider there. But like you said, my story is ten years old. Um, th- while things like that can still happen, there there are just so many other opportunities these days. Um, so I, I think about I think about two events that I went through. Um, from a different perspective, actually, from the point of hiring someone uh, that I think could help people. So one is um, this is actually a story of Jump, Bill Carter. Um, some of you guys might know him as a host. Uh, he's been doing a lot of stuff, especially with Apex Legends recently. But uh, his story is he reached out to me on Twitch. So I was streaming when I was at OGN, like now and then, not regularly. Uh, and he just like jumps in. Oh, and then and then I had just joined ESL, right? So I just joined ESL. And so he reaches out to me. Uh, on Twitch, like in my chat, and he's like writing his like life story in chat, and you know I'm not I'm not streaming to that many people, so he's just like spamming <laughs> walls of text in my chat, and I was like, hey man, I, I love your enthusiasm. Um, listen, I'm just gonna message you, and I'm gonna give you my email, and, and just like email me because I, I like I don't want to sit here and just like do like personal consulting uh, over a stream. Sure. So I I send him an email, and then he and then he writes me this great email, uh, but. I had just joined ESL, right? Um, and I had been running around. Like when I first joined ESL, I was traveling basically three weeks out of four every month uh, for events. So I, I look at it and I'm like, all right, this, this guy seems like he could do some stuff, but he has no esports experience prof- at professionally, but he's done some public speaking. Uh, maybe he could be a good host. And so I thought about that. But then, you know, we just had events coming up like nonstop. And we had, you know, a lot of games that we had already been working with, like StarCraft 2. And uh, just a moment never happened until a year, I think, after he sent that email. Uh, we had a chance to do an event for For Honor. And obviously, this was this was like a showcase release event, right? So it wasn't a professional tournament. Um, it wasn't necessarily with, you know, any type of background. It was just showcasing the game with celebrities and, and influencers. And I said, okay, like... I, I have faith in this guy based on what he's told me. Obviously, not no guarantee, uh, but I think he could be good for an event like this. So I reached back out <laughs> a year later, and and Bill's like, I, I really appreciate it. Thought you totally forgot about me. Thought you like dumped the email or whatever. Uh, so he flies out uh, and he knocks it out of the park. The event goes well, and then he you know he continued working with ESL on a bunch of different events since then, and and now you know he's part of CSA. He's traveling doing all sorts of events um so so that's one where i think reaching out don't be annoying obviously right like don't just like spam people nonstop on twitter but you know we we see those things about other people you know we recently there was the guy who you know tweeted to nade shot for an internship um you know with a video like that effort um even if that specific case doesn't work out so bill when he messaged me on twitch it didn't work out at the time, right? You know, there, there was no fruit from it. In fact, I actually don't think I really responded in full to him over email either. So that's on me because <laughs> I was just like traveling nonstop. But if I was in Bill's shoes, right, I would look at him and be like, okay, so this guy told me to email him and nothing came of it. Um, you know, he said he like, he'll like keep it in mind, but he's clearly forgotten about me and this sucks. But like, you didn't really lose anything 
from that, right? right? And then, you know, a year later, because I still remember, like, so obviously, unbeknownst to Bill at the time, I had had his email starred. Like, there were like three people that had reached out to me. So I had those emails starred because they left an impression and I saw something in them that I would want to reach back out to at a later time. So, you know, giving giving it a shot whenever you think you have a chance, but making sure that your effort shines through. So obviously for Bill at the time, whether it's, you know, reaching out through like Twitch and, and when I asked for an email, he gave me like a pretty well thought out background of who he was. Um, and then, you know, obviously in my case, it's doing that Dr. Pepper video uh, in the case of, you know, that guy uh, uh, tweeting to nature, it's making this, you know, creative video. It, there's things where, for instance, the guy who tweeted to Nainshot, even if things don't work out with Nainshot, like a bunch of us saw it, right? And a bunch of people saw it and thought, mm -hmm. this is cool. And and so now you've left a mark and maybe that doesn't bear fruit the next day. But now if you continue trying to put that effort in, uh, it, it's going to pay off at some point. So that's story number one. Uh, the second story is... Um, I, when I was at ESL working pretty much fully now as a producer, uh, we had someone apply and they had come from a, I want to make sure I remember this correctly, but I want to say a HR kind of training background. Um, so, so they were working at uh, Red Bull prior um, and that, that was their background, but they had started dipping into some of the esports events that Red Bull had done kind of as an internal volunteer. And they, they applied to be a, um, associate producer and I was like why like why right <laughs> in my head I'm like you have a pretty stable job a very stable company <clears throat> and if if anything coming in as associate producer TSL North America at the time you were definitely going to get a pay cut uh, and this isn't like your actual background so why was the big question and his explanation was simply that hey I got to experience this this is what I want to do I'm still young I want to make sure you know I invest my time into something that I really believe in rather than just working for you know a paycheck because it seems stable at the time like that can be done later mm -hmm. I, and so i so we we hired him and he started doing really well um you know he he started working real hard at esl eventually got to pretty much own his own product uh, as a producer at esl and then has moved on since uh to other ventures still within esports production uh but the reason i tell that story is again when he started you know, at Red Bull, he wasn't, and, and his majors were in like um, business, I, I forget the exact specific, but basically the business field, right, in terms of education. So, you know, clearly he wasn't thinking about production um, in, in esports, if anything at all. Uh, but, you know, he got into a company that he still, you know, enjoyed the content they produced and everything else they were working on and got to eventually indirectly experience that and then A, discover what he liked. But B, also now find, <clears throat> excuse me, a network that can get him into that field, right? And experiences that can get him into that field. And so when people, this specifically goes to people who are like, hey, I want to try being part of production or, you know, I, I want to work at these events. I want to be part of these events or, or broadcasts. And most people, they only know about what they see on their own screen. So you're looking at the commentators, you're looking at the producers, you're looking at the cameramen. Um, but there's just so much more behind that that can still get you that experience and maybe even technically a better way to experience it because if you have no production experience may maybe you won't actually like it right maybe you won't like being out on the show floor maybe you would actually enjoy being a little bit you know indirect a little bit behind the scenes where you can still enjoy that as a fan and feel that you're investing into it and improving it but you're not 
you know, down on the shore floor dealing with that anxiety and the stress and everything else that comes with it. So just remember that nowadays esports, it's still small, at, you know, on a grand scale, it's still small, but it is a proper business now, right? It's not just people turning on streams. So there's there's just so many other things you can do. And especially with more brands being interested in esports, there are more ways to indirectly now get into esports rather than just quote unquote esports companies. Right. No, that that's that's phenomenal. Um, I actually saw, and I think it was a riot uh, graphic or a picture from a riot conference or something. But they said that the LCS or LEC or whatever the heck it is now is uh, is like the number three in the nation uh, in terms of viewership behind mm. behind like NFL and MLB. For example, mm-hmm. of course, the NFL and MLB still kicking everybody out of the park because of how large they are. But uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's growing, and and it's got an audience, and people are definitely watching and listening and paying attention to it, as as we've obviously seen with some of the money being thrown back at esports, yeah. right? So, uh, I've always loved the idea of being able to be behind the scenes and help behind the scenes. There's a lot of people that make these shows these shows run. So, I'm going to use that as a transition to move into your mm-hmm. OGN time a little bit. And, okay. and because I know that you walked, you, you went over to Korea and you are still in Korea uh, and you worked for OGN a bit. Can we talk about that experience? Um, I'm assuming a lot of that came from Monty going over there, right? Well, yeah, it, it, um, you know, for, forever thankful to Monty for sure, because it, there was just like a, this natural progression where, um, so obviously Monty had been commentating uh, and then he started commentating regularly for MLG as they were doing a bunch of their League of Legends content uh, right around, you know, season two worlds before and after. Uh, and then he, you know, obviously got the offer from OGN uh, and he moves on. But um, because of the work I've been doing, you know, both through GG Chronicle and elsewhere uh, and also having chances to work closely with Tom, uh, Monty, you know, also gave in a wreck and saying, hey, if you, if you guys want someone. Um, you know, I think Chobra could really fill in those shoes. So I got to start casting at MLG. Uh, that, and that was when MLG was running like that qualifier for the first like official LCS. Uh, so I got to cast that with uh, Optimus Tom. But then, you know, Monty gets to OGN. And obviously, I don't know the f- full detail of the conversations, but basically, I think he saw the situation and said, you guys need more than just like commentators, right? Because you, you need so much more to be done to lay this foundation mm-hmm. um obviously him and doa don't speak korean and so i think he just kind of put it up as a note of i i know this guy who i think he would be willing um and also he would have the skill set especially language wise um to help this flow a little smoother more than anything um so then o- ogn reached out uh, obviously monty kind of gave me a heads up like hey I'm, I'm talking to them we'll see if anything comes of it but if you're interested uh, just you know a heads up i was very interested obviously as someone who spent a part of my childhood in korea as well ogn you know was a name i knew very well and and so they reached out uh and i mean i mean things were pretty vague at the time because ogn didn't quite frankly know what they wanted to do with it right they were just like hey this thing's getting global again and there's now streaming services that seem stable and we got to do something so we're trying to figure this out um and so initially <laughs> initially my job offer and description was like it, it was basically a full list of things <laughs> including like backup commentator <laughs> to oh, wow. <laughs> like like straight up it was just like backup commentator and then it was just like a bunch of things like marketing and like all this stuff not because they thought I was an expert. It was just like, 
we're going to need you to be a part of all of this because we need someone to help facilitate it. And <laughs> sorry, you know, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I, I got a, I got an offer from OGN at one point and, and it was basically, it, it wasn't, it was similar because they wanted me to help with the servers and stuff. And it was this laundry list yeah. of shit they wanted me to do. And I'm like, I, I, I think I, I told him, I would love to guys, but I just can't, right? Like I can't, I, I have a full-time job. I would love to, but it was a laundry list. It was like server database yeah. administrator, network administrator. I'm like, I'm in America. Like, <laughs> so, so continue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was just all this stuff. And, and some of it I had to reach back and be like, by the way, like I'm, I'm not an expert on this, like more than happy to help. But like, I, you know, I was just I drinking Dr. Pepper something. in New York, like two days ago, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that was like you know four or five months apart. So so I just told him, hey, I'm not an expert in everything. Um, I, like I I just want to make it clear, I don't want, you know, I don't want myself to be graded on like the actual success of all of these things on the list because sure I have to learn. Like I, you know, obviously this is this is going to be my first like full time job. It was still on contract, but right on a salary basis and not event basis. Uh, so we made that clear. Uh, and they said great. They're like, I was like, when? Well, so. Like, when would I start if if this were to go through? And they're like, oh, well, could you come next week? And I'm like, excuse me? I'm yeah, like, right. Yeah. The world. <laughs> uh, I was like, uh, what, like a week and a half? And they're like, okay, great. Wow. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, so I cleaned out my apartment. Um, I, obviously, thankfully, um, so thankfully, Monty had found a place that had an extra room. And, and he kind of let me know ahead of time, like, if you need... Uh, let's just co- have you come in as a roommate in- initially, right, and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, my my dad had stayed in Korea throughout that time that my family was in America, um, just to keep his job and and support the family. So I still had relatives here, including direct family with my dad. Uh, and so, you know, so it didn't seem as crazy of a risk. Um, although, you know, I, I look back in hindsight, and it was <laughs> it was a crazy oh, risk yeah. to be like, all right, moving, you know, halfway across the world in a week. Uh, but we cleaned out the apartment, uh, talked to the landlord, came to you know, a good agreement, and then I, I flew out. Uh, so coming here, you know, instantly it was very clear that just nothing was set up, right? Because I'm coming in, and even me, I, I was looking at OGN as like this this god of esports, right? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, if I go, like, we're going to execute every idea I have. Because I'm sure they just have like, you know, 50 cameras lying around and crews just ready to go. And things are going to be great, and they're they're going to be super supportive, and all the resources are going to be there. Very, very wrong, <laughs> just wow. just absolutely. And and after working in OGN, I look back, and or now I look at most companies, and I think this is true for a lot of you know broadcasting companies, e- even in the states. I think a little different, just because of how money flows and resources flow in the states, and also just you know other laws around all the working conditions, etc. But especially in Asia, and this isn't just um, just with the uh, esports, because I look at, for instance, like certain variety shows these days in Korea, and sometimes they'll, like they'll they'll put in like bad B roll, and they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, we just didn't have the money for this one," and they'll, they'll just like move uh. on to the next scene. So, so to me, it, it was a very shocking moment of, oh, like, and it was also a very, I, I think, eye opening moment of, oh, this this is production. It's making it look better than it is. Okay. <laughs> and so, because I remember like within the first month, we had this grand meeting with the marketing team, the global team, the global business team and the marketing team. We got in, we got in and they were like, all right, uh, we asked Chobra to come in with a bunch of content ideas um, so that we can grow the global audience. 
And so we're going to go through these today. And I had like a page and a half of content ideas, just just title wise, right? And then I broke all of them down for you know a, a couple hours. And then at the end, the conclusion was like we can't do any of these, huh? Because and, and you know a lot of times I'd be like, oh yeah, but this this like this just requires like two cameras in my you know my head, especially at the time, you know production quality uh, for digital content wasn't as high as it is now. So I said. I think we could do this, you know, a little cheaper. I know it's maybe not up to your standards of the official broadcast, but honestly, what's going on in the West with Twitch right now, you know, and, and YouTube even back then, uh, I think this could still hit it out, even if it's not like well produced. And they were like, "Yeah, but the cam- the problem is we don't have two cameras lying around." And I was like, "What do you mean you don't have two cameras? <laughs> you're a, you're a TV company. Like, how do you not have two cameras around?" Right. Like, yeah, they're like, "Well, we got two in the, you know, we got we got the good ones in the studio, and then we have a couple, but." Um, like they're basically on lease and we're like constantly paying for it. And then the teams are always going out. Obviously OGN has a bunch of other content they had been doing aside from just the tournament. So the cameras were like always in use. And then on top of that, OGN's part of CJENM. So a lot of the equipment they use is basically on rent from the parent company. Uh, but OGN is always like kind of at the bottom of the food chain because CJENM is the company that owns like basically the biggest music network the Beast Movie Network, like all of that in Korea. So, so when you put it into perspective, like OGN, as great as it is with the esports, it was was like way at the bottom uh, compared to all the other channels and all the other investments that that company had. So, yeah, they were like, yeah, we just don't have the people, the equipment, or the money um, to overcome that. And I was like, this is nuts. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that was one. Um, and then on top of that, just like this idea of like working working online and digitally with a foreign audience was something they just couldn't grasp uh and one of the biggest things is so online resources be it social media be it broadcast are very different from korea and specifically america right i can't speak for all of the west uh, but especially for america things are changing a little bit now but i think the biggest example is and it's an example i always give if you look at uh, google which is obviously, I, I would wager, the most used search engine. And then you look at Naver, which is the most used search engine in Korea. Mm-hmm. The Naver, like you go in and you're just blasted with information, like on the landing page, right? There's like the little search bar at the top. And then there's like all these links and all these categories and news articles and ads. And it's just all there, like off the get go. And then you go into Google and it's like, hey, put in a search. And you know what? If you're feeling spicy, click I'm feeling lucky, right? <laughs> like that's that's what it is. And so it's this difference of like Koreans overload information because everyone's so used to, first of all, internet being very fast. Um, and everyone's also used to just like wanting to find their own information rather than being told it online. Huh. Okay. Um, and this is the same when like I, I used an example when I was at OGN of using like game company websites as well. Like the Korean landing pages for Korean game companies, again, all these buttons, all these links, all these games and headlines, and they're all like flashing about. Uh, and then we went into, I think the example I used at the time was EA, and I think Crisis 3 was coming out, and it was like giant splash art of Crisis 3, and that was it. And I was like, guys, like this is the difference where it's more about like the aesthetic, right? And and making sure that it's something that you're you're being told that you're interested in it, uh-huh. and then you run with it. Whereas in Korea, it's like, don't don't hide anything from me because I will find it because Korean people on the internet find everything, including like 
they found basically my full history of how I used to play violin and everything. I don't know how. Wow. Okay. <laughs> they they do that. <laughs> so so they're so just the way that that audience reacts was very different. Um, and that was just one core example where I said, this is why we need to understand that these fans are going to react differently, right? So if you start posting how you post on Korean Facebook to Twitter, which first of all, is just a different platform. It's just not going to have the same reaction you want it to. Um, and then on top of that, right, language and culture differences. So there, there was a lot of educating that needed to be done both for them and for me, because for me, all of that was from my own experiences, right? Nothing was based on research until that time. So I just started doing my own research and, you know, I started talking to a lot of my friends who, you know, study, whether it's the cultural differences, the linguistics and all of that, of why is this different and how can we take advantage of it? Um, so I was running the Twitter at the time. I was running moderation and the mod team for Twitch chat at the time. Uh, I was basically always required to be on site for all the broadcasts because obviously I had to translate the interviews, but also to communicate with Monty and Doa with the production team because, um, you know, they weren't fluent in English. And on top of that, trying to figure out how we can do this other content. Uh, and, you know, and I'm part of this global business team. And I, I went into the office every day on top of all the studio broadcasts for the first year. So, you know, I'm just kind of being torn in all directions. And then, uh, but later that led to, uh, as they saw the global audience grow, uh, the producers for, for instance, uh, champions at the time, currently LCK, uh, asking me for input on like graphics, right? Hey, like we think this design looks cool. Do you think the foreign audience would like it too? Um, and, and they started really looping me into these things. Um, and then obviously being part of, business discussions with, with different publishers and partners uh, because, you know, they're talking with the HQ and, and they OGN realized like, hey, we want to make sure we have a translator on our side too because otherwise the conversation can be biased. And, and I actually warned them of that. I was like, listen, if I'm translating for you in a business deal, I'm going to make sure that I translate in a way that is favorable to you. So I can only imagine that the other people are doing the same and not, not that anyone's lying, right. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's these nuances and, and how you lead that conversation. If you only have one translator and they are partied with one side, it is only natural that they will make it more favorable to them in terms of tone and direction. And they, they basically hold the baton, right? They, they control the whole conversation. That, that translator actually just has the ultimate power of how that conversation appears to both sides. And so I, I told them, listen, I'm willing to go into these meetings, even if I'm not an expert on these business, uh, in the business department yet, of just simply translating, but also making you, letting you know, like if, for instance, if they translate something in a little bit of a different nuance, right? Or implying something a little differently, I can help catch that, right? And then I can reverse that for yourselves. Uh, so I started going into all these meetings with, you know, Blizzard and and Riot and, and all of that, and it was it was very overwhelming. Um, but I think at the time, again, just given my age and where I was in my career, to me it was just like you just, I just got to go in with that confidence. No one else is doing it, right? So I'm not saying I'm perfect, but at least I'll learn if I do it, and that's the only way I'll grow. Um, and if I make a mistake, I'll own up to it. But if not, um, I'm making something happen. Uh, so I, I jumped into all of those. I was helping pitch like marketing ideas and sweepstakes ideas for foreign fans. Um, yeah, again, just like a kind of, and, and that's, I think how my career started off on this weird path of always being a jack of all trades. Obviously that, that's a double-edged sword, but that is kind of how it began. Wow. 
That's crazy to think about because I remember watching that. And everyone was like, "That's the you know that's the epitome of how this should be." OGN's production <laughs> value is crazy. It's so good. It looks like a TV show, and you know, they, they leased cameras. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, going into the studio, and, I, and I'm sure uh, probably Montendo, and most foreign fans actually feel the same way when they first get there. When I got there, you know, I, I'm my heart's like pumping. I'm like, oh, I finally get to go into the OGN studio. And then I opened the door, and I was like, wait, this is like way smaller and way shoddier than I ever imagined it. Cause right. Like, there's like all chair broken chairs like piled up in the corner that nobody ever sees. <laughs> and like, there's like props lying around. And I was like, what? And then I watched the broadcast, like from the production room. And I'm like, no, okay, yeah, this is the same show I watched. But then I like walk outside after the show ends, and I'm like, not the same studio I watched. But, so, but OGN grew, right? I mean, you guys, I mean, you well, guys yeah. helped grow it, obviously. I, mean, I what was it? What 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 year was it? You did it on the beach, right? Like you had like the oh, finals. Uh, shoot, I think that was. I want to say that was four, 2014. I don't okay. think it was the first year. Um. No, it wasn't. It was a couple uh, years in. I remember it being, you know, everyone's yeah. out on the beach and that's where they're playing, or at least. It, it, yeah, it had to have been 2014. Yeah, it had to be 2014. I think 2013 was the year it was done in the soccer field. The summer finals was done in the soccer field with the rain and with the mm-hmm. whole Faker uh, Ryu Z, the what was that <laughs> clip? I think that was um, the first full year that all three of us were there for OGN. And then I think the next year was the beach. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um, sorry, continue. I don't, I, I'm not trying to, to cut oh, well, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you were wondering about kind of the growth of OGN. Uh, yeah. Obviously it, it grew during that time, um, especially with the help of League of legends growing itself. Right. Uh, and OGN doing a lot of that work in Korea. Uh, and it was, it, it was the same thing with it. A lot of people within OGN and outside of OGN looked at it and said this was kind of how it was for starcraft right not that ogn was like solely responsible for starcraft's growth uh in korea especially with other leagues going on at the same time but they played a big part right of making it the norm and and growing it and showing what it could be uh and and they were doing the same for league of legends in the beginning and i i want to say i can't speak uh, for all the teams you know, in LCS and LEC, but they had OGN had to have had an impact on showing what an esports broadcast could be, right? And, and I think, you know, I think Riot, you know, whether they directly, you know, took it from OGN or it was just kind of an impact they had and in the back of their mind, but the way they structured LCS and LEC, right, all being in one studio, the players always coming in, that that was the formula that a lot of people used to miss because a lot of people would look at. OGN back in the day, and they say, "Well, like if OGN can do that, like why can't people in the West do that? America has more money, right?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, but you have to remember, all these teams live within maximum an hour drive from the heart of Seoul or wherever the studio might be. Uh, they're 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 like always there. They're always playing in the same studio with the same setup, so there's less technical difficulties. You can get whatever content you want with the teams because it's like, it's like the only league." right going on and they're all close by there there were all these extra factors aside from just production skill and resources uh and i think you know riot really learned from that saw that and they made their own thing from it which at the time was kind of unfathomable especially for the states right of like hey in this wide country we're gonna force everyone to live in la and play in la or you know nearby and then we're gonna make this happen even even in my head i was like i don't know how this could work in America, and then they made it happen, right? They they centralized everything, and I think that's the type of impact OGN had. And then you look at so then 
now for people in the West, maybe not as aware of Korean esports, you look at the impact LCS had, right, in American esports, just in general, not just League of Legends. And basically, that's the same impact OGN had, obviously, at a smaller scale because the country's smaller in Korea. Mm-hmm. But they showcased what could be done. They showcased at the highest peak, right, with the biggest game and the most investment, even within OGN for, for an esports program. Obviously, they had other programs going on. This is what this can be. This is what the players can enjoy, right? And as that grew, right, the, the tournament grew. Um, and it wasn't just the players, right? There were people, like, for instance, when... Um, Hot Six, the energy drink in Korea, the Re- the Red Bull of Korea, basically, right. uh, sponsored started sponsoring uh, champions. They had like the commentators be part of their commercials during that whole phase of their marketing campaign. So so it grew everyone's possibilities uh, within esports, and, and I think, and, and again, the the content they made with the players too, outside of just the pro stuff, I think that impacted a lot of how Korean esports grew. Uh, I think that had a big impact on how Korean streaming grew. Um, again, not solely responsible, but definitely had a part. You're just uh, you're just wealth of knowledge, uh, Will. It's, it's, <laughs> I've just been sitting here listening to you over the last hour, right? Like listening about Korea and, and how, how it grew and, and all that. And there's I think there's like, th- there's so much more to unpack here about how Korea views esports or how, um, you know, the West views esports and whatnot. Because... I think a lot of the topics of conversation for a long time there were how Korean fans viewed esports and, and what they were like in the crowd. Uh, I have I have memories of watching OGN. Uh, just so you know, like like where the time zones lined up, right? Like I'd get into work just as OGN was ending. There was maybe an hour left. Of it. Oh yeah. So so <laughs> I, I'd only really be able to catch like you know like maybe you know thirty minutes at home and then like the last thirty minutes to an hour when I got into work at the time. And and there was always this memory is always seared in my brain of the the fans sitting in the audience with their phones and you know with a scrolling whatever it says. In Korean, oh yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> and, and and you don't see that type of stuff over here in the West and. It's it seems like it's such, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's so much more ingrained in the Korean culture now with the the esports, or at least how fans um, operate when it comes to esports, and than our fans do. Yeah, I, I I mean, yeah, I think today things are maybe a little bit more mixed, right? Just because we've had so many like global events as well, but mm-hmm. um, well, I think it's also just how fandom reacts in general. Um, so my favorite is listening to people who like baseball, uh, who visit Korea and go to a Korean baseball game. Okay. And then you know, they compare it to an American baseball game. So, so I've, I've actually never been to a live American baseball game. I've only watched, Man, you're um, I've out. Been to... <laughs> it's the best drinking event you've ever been to, you know, it, one of my biggest regrets is never going to a Dodgers game while I was, that was actually <laughs> like, a huge so American baseball, just to give you, you know, try to help to help here because I want to hear about Korean baseball, but I've been okay. to my fair share of American baseball games. Cause I lived right there in Cincinnati. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So the reds I had, they were, the, I could spit at the stadium where I lived. Right. And, and, and it's the, it's the greatest drinking pastime ever. You go there and you're drinking before you go, you get there, you drink and you don't care if your team wins or lose and you have fun and it doesn't, you don't need to know the rules. You don't really know what is going on. I mean, there's a, there's a ton of like meta game that happens in, in, you know, MLB or whatever. Right. But, right. but you just go there and drink and have fun with everybody. And it's just a giant drinking party <laughs> game. That's, that's what American baseball is it, it, to me as a casual fan. Gotcha. Well, I mean, Korea is definitely a, a huge social factor as well, but they just have 
like so many more like mini events going on, right? It's not just like the occasional trademark event of the stadium with like the races around okay. the pitch or whatever. There, you know, the the cheering squads like constantly they have their own routines, they have their own little mini games going on. Especially because obviously baseball is a game that has a slower pace than yep. a lot of other sports. Uh, it's it's like a festival within the game, right? And, and there's just like always something going on for you to watch and be a part of and and it's always fun to me to listen to people being like oh this is like a whole new way of watching baseball like that's often how people react they're like oh this is there's just like so much going on because like you said a lot of times in america people view baseball as like oh we're gonna go we're gonna hang out and have fun like it's it's a very kind of chill way to oh yeah i guess enjoy baseball right it's like oh i'm enjoying it yeah. yeah, we just sit there, we talk, and then someone, you hear the crack of the bat because, you know, it hit the baseball, right? The bat hit the baseball, and you watch, and then you cheer, and then you go back to talking, right? Like, oh, you know, run, yeah, it was awesome, woo! You know, the fireworks go off, and then we just talk until it happens again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Korea, and I went once as a kid, and I, I like, I just remember being overwhelmed. Right, because I, I was like, well, a, I was like scared of being hit by the ball if there was a home run. <laughs> but, okay, but second, that like the, the like every time there's downtime, the training squad comes up and they have like their own little routine and they're like leading the crowd and they make you do these fun little things and they have like people come up and do the dances with them and it's just it, there's like entertainment always within that and a lot of times I think um and th- well this is this is actually culturally true I don't know if this is directly correlated but Koreans are just very impatient mm-hmm. um like very very impatient so the biggest way you know and this is this is going to be shocking to most Americans um is like you don't sign your own like credit card payments like when you go to a store right the the person just like signs for you because it's just quicker wow right you you give them your credit card and they swipe it and a lot of times at restaurants like they'll just scribble a little scribble on the the little pad just to get it over with and and, like no one in korea cares there's like no respect for credit card privacy i was gonna say is there no respect for privacy in korea at all (laughs) well no there's there's like super respect for privacy but credit card is just one of those things where it's like it just has to get done all right we just we just got to move on with our lives we pay for the food (laughs) we're getting out of here to be fair I love that because me, I I don't. I just had an X. I'm like I don't even care. It's X. But, uh, just get just get this out of my face. I get it. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's like the mentality where it has to the point where when I first came back to work for OGN, I had trouble because I was so used to you know in the states signing my full name and I you know uh-huh. I had my own way of signing it to make sure it was me, but you know my name's two words right so whenever i paid and i would insist i would sign as soon as i finished my first name they would just click okay and i <laughs> like never get to sign my, second, my last name and things like that so koreans are just very impatient to begin like the culture is just like in some ways all this efficiency i i want to say is probably built because of the impatience that everyone has okay um and i think a lot of times these events are done in a way where you, you it, it's a little bit more dire to like hold people's attention than than in america right like the whole aspect of you know, having a social event uh, is still different there there are events right there's sports bars in korea and uh, other things like that uh, but what, if you're going to an event and you're paying for it i think there's a different expectation um so i think there's that difference but when it comes to things like the signs i think it was just a matter of time before the West really grew its own fandom. I think before that, the West, uh, especially in America, it was 
basically people just wanted to watch the game, right? We, we got into this culture of, oh, I can enjoy my video game in two ways. I can play it and then I can watch it. So people started watching esports. But then as this fandom grew, uh, I see it as like people bringing those like giant faces, right? Of players or, okay. or mascots or whatever. Um, I think that's the same as people holding up their phones with the little, you know, messages uh, for their players. It, it's just the, I guess, the way you express it is a little different, right? Sure. Kore- Koreans are maybe a little bit more, I, I don't know, maybe it's because they're more passive. It's probably also difference in humor as well. Um, generally, right, a lot of things are much more exaggerated in America um, for bigger impact, uh, whereas maybe not so much in Korea. But I, I think those, the the way the fans express themselves, I think is was just a matter of time because I, I would say towards my end in OGN, which was 2015, um, whenever we went to a global event for League of Legends, like the casters would be like shocked at some of the ways that the fans would react, like the way like people would like scream at the camera if it came up to them and things that like they're like, whoa, oh, wow, like that fan's like super passionate. And then, you know, everyone in the West is like, oh, my gosh, there's all these like fangirls. <laughs> so it's just like the, the way it evolved was on a different timeline. But I think both sides would, would often get surprised at how they express themselves. So, OK, so I, like I said before this, we're, we're just over the hour mark and we've talked a ton. And there's so much more I want to talk to you about. I feel like we could be here for, <laughs> forever. Uh, yeah, I'm going to, you know, we could talk late. You worked for ESL for a while. Right. And and, and really, the, the whole point of this was how did you get there? What, what's fun? What would what, you go? And I think we hit the point of the podcast. So if you don't mind, I'm going to I'm going to kind of like try to wrap it up here at this point. Yeah, sure. Um, um, but. I do want to leave this for any fans out there who are dying for more because it's really fun listening to you, uh, putting you on the spot. Do you think I could get you back on here in a few months and kind of talk about the difference between American and, and Korean esports or just like fandom and, and life and all that kind of stuff, right? Because, Absolutely. I, I love talking about it. Good. Uh, good. Beautiful. Phenomenal. Um, I, I think in a few months' time, you know, two, three months' time, as, as you know, we're looking for some extra content to throw out in this show, I think it'd be a lot of fun to get back on here and kind of, you know, and trade cards, uh, for lack of a better sure. word, right? You know, this is what American does. This is what Korea does. Let's talk about that. Because I think there's a lot of merit there to have people to understand. Like you said, that the impatience thing, I didn't know that. And I'm just your normal <laughs> thing. And, and there's so much more about the culture and, and everything else that goes on with Korea that I think a lot of people would like to, to know about. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to stop me too, because I could just talk talk for days, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm going to keep talking, right? Because coming coming from somebody who spent 600 episodes just talking and being the star of the show, I have to sit back and not let somebody else be it. So I'm getting my talking out here at the end. There you go. <laughs> All right. So so Will, you already talked about where 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 can people find you if they have questions? Where can they ask them? You know, I, there's so much more we could dive into here, but like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut it off. So. You know, give me the spiel. Sure. Uh, obviously, kind of the most up to date uh, on anything I do is going to be on Twitter at Will Chobra. Uh, all of my socials and and my stream, everything is Will Chobra. Uh, these days, I stream pretty regularly uh, as I'm looking for the next big thing. You know, I figure I might as well spend my downtime. Uh, just also, it helps me learn kind of about streaming sure. uh, and everything else as well. Uh, obviously, if things work out, I'm more, more than happy to invest a lot more into it. And I have some content ideas and project ideas I have, but it's more just to kind of leave an open forum to for people to be able to drop in and if they have any questions or hang out 
Uh, so you can find me on Twitch at Will Chobra. And then um, I actually you know, kicked off my own little kind of mini podcast, actually specifically to help bridge that gap between American and Korean esports. So awesome. kind of sharing Korean esports and gaming news uh, and then vice versa called The Connection. So you can find that. I do it on Twitch live and then I upload it onto YouTube later. Uh, hopefully soon I'll put it up on uh, podcast platforms as well. But those would be the best spots. Awesome. But when we're down here, make sure you send me those links so I can add them in, this, in the description of the podcast. So it'll be outside who good. would like to add them you know, to iTunes, YouTube, whatever it may be, uh, can as well. So, uh, Will, thank you for joining me this evening. Um, again, I'm going to apologize to anybody listening for cutting this off, but I know it could go for two hours. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I really appreciate you coming on, dude. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, thanks for listening to Interviews with Pwn. Please catch us next week with another interview. Uh, you can always email me, adamc at trinityforcepodcast.com if you have any questions, comments, whatever, or just listen to the bumper coming up now. See you. Thanks for listening to my new interview series brought to you by the Trinity Force Network. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Network. If you have a question or a comment, you can drop me a line at adamc at trinityforcepodcast.com. For everything else, please check me out on trinityforcenetwork.com or subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher. Until next time, thanks again for listening, and I hope you enjoy all the shows that the Trinity Force Network has to offer.